The Union 0430 is brought to you by Real Geese, the most technologically advanced silhouettes ever produced. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Union 0430, episode number two of episode or of season two, episode 52, but number two of season two. At that, that's my Chrissy Snow um, impression. And if you don't know who Chrissy Snow is, you're obviously way too young. Um, We've got a, a real good guest on tonight, Matt Pomroy, a local gun expert, uh, shooting expert. I'll get into an introduction to him here just uh, shortly. No Dave again tonight. His wife trumped him and took the computer. Um, feel free to send them all kinds of uh, messages and make fun of them for that. Um, but you do have the, the, the joy of having Philly down in Oshawa, Merck, outside of the nation's capital and Ryan down in Nova Scotia with Matt Pomeroy coming to us all the way from Kingston, Ontario. So just down the road from, uh, from me. So Matt, thanks for coming on boys. Uh, good to see you again. Um, so I gotta, I gotta do this though, because we got to do an introduction to Matt and, and he's a bit of a big deal. Um, and I can't even remember everything. So, Bear with me while I read this off. So Matt Pomeroy, which I did notice, the president of the Kingston and District Trap Skeet and Sporting Clay Club, National Skeet Shooting Association Level 1 Instructor, Director of Gunning for the Ottawa Valley North American Versatile Hunting Dog Association, the launching member of the Eastern Ontario Youth Hunting Collaboration, avid bird hunter and target shooter and trainer of versatile champion German short hair pointers. That's quite the hockey sock full of uh, qualifications, Maddie. Hey, that's real kind. Thanks mm -hmm. for the invite guys. Glad to be here. No, and just all around good guy. And, I, yeah, and an all around good guy. guy. That's right. Well, I've known Matt for, for a few years now. Um, a good friend. Um, we've, We've shared a few pops over the years and, and a few laughs. So, uh, so I thought it'd be great to get you on Matt for the simple reason that we've, we've done this show uh, for over a year now. And we've talked about, um, I, I think we really just uh, uh, brushed, uh, uh, brushed on it on the importance of shooting and, and having a gun fitted for you and tips and tricks to shooting and, and, we are a show which seems now that we're getting a lot of newcomers and not just, you know, kids, but, but adults that are starting to get into the sport of, of waterfowling and shooting and, and going to the clay and, and skeet ranges and stuff like this. So um, obviously when you've been uh, shooting for a long time, you get into your rut and you know what works and what doesn't work for you, but there's always some little tips yeah. and tricks that uh, that people like you can pass on that that'll make us more efficient and and more ethical in in shooting, right? So I thought it'd be an awesome opportunity to have you come on the show. Uh, so here we are. Right on. You know, I think uh, so. Thanks for having me on, guys. I look forward to you know helping helping promote our sport, uh, helping promote our heritage of hunting and. And I think the more of these things we do to get some more shooters involved, the better we'll all be. But 
Um, let me just say little hats off, first of all, to I know our, our neighbors to the south in the U.S. of A. just tapped off uh, Memorial Day weekend last week. And I think a little hats off to our veterans, both uh, south of the border and north yeah. of the border. Without Absolutely. you guys and gals, none of this is possible. So cheers to you. Cheers. Um, yeah, cheers to that. So let me go through um, you know, some of the some of the things that I see most often. And, and what I get is why do, uh, why do people maybe try hunting and then stop hunting? Or maybe, maybe why do they try shooting and then stop shooting? And I think if our, if our group, if our group of hunters or our group of recreational shooters was able to do a better job of retaining the people that said for one moment in their life that said, Hey, I'm interested in this. That seems like a neat thing to do. If, if there's anything that we can do to enhance that first experience of that first year in the field or at the range, I think what happens is we create uh, a bit of a sticky, uh, a bit of a sticky game that says, I want to keep coming back to it. Um, you know, we, we can probably, everybody here on this call can probably talk about their most favorite hunt in their first year of hunting that likely resulted in some animals in hand right? Or you went to the range and you actually hit the targets and you've got to create those wins for people or, or they, they'll just, they won't stop. They won't keep coming, right? They won't keep coming back. And uh, so what I've been on is a bit of a, a mission for decades now to say, I want to make sure that every single person who's got an interest in this gets a couple, like you said, tips and tricks to make sure that the that the, the balance is swung in their favor. So, so they keep coming back. So um, I'll just share a couple things. Feel free to jump in guys. Here, here's what I, here's what I see um, when, when folks are, when folks are shooting is usually all eyes are on them, right? When you're at the target range. You, you, you think there's everyone's watching and the, the nerves are up a little bit. And if they don't start breaking those targets, they'll get a little anxious about thing and the pressure builds and then they're not going to break targets. Then they just say, well, that was fun today. I got to shoot a gun. I got to cross that off my bucket list, but I think I'll go do something different now. And, and kind of same thing with hunting. If, if uh, you know, the days aren't as cold when you have a boat full of ducks. So if you can get a couple ducks in that boat, it seems to be uh, a little bit better. How I got into this was right out of the gate. I remember my, my first shotgun ever, and I got really excited when I hit some targets and I got really kind of thoughtful about why did I miss that? Like, how, how can you hit 10 in a row and then miss two? Like, what's, what's the point of that? Like, what happened on those other two when you can't think of anything you did differently? And so, you know, like anything we get interested in, you start learning, you educate yourself, you find resources, uh, you'll go down, you'll go down some trails that you shouldn't have walked down just to find out that, okay, maybe that book wasn't right, or maybe that YouTube channel wasn't right. But then with 20 some years experience now, I've got a pretty good map of trails and roadmaps that I can head down and, and, and check things out. The, there's three things that I think I could, we could chat about tonight and spend a bit of time on. And one of them is, is on gun fit. So making sure that that firearm is, is right for you. And I can chat about that for a little bit. Uh, another one is, is understanding different lead types. 
And some people just go shoot and that's fine. But I think if you go and just shoot, but you have an understanding of what you're, what you're doing with different lead types that can make a big difference. And then, and then kind of that moment of impact of, you know, when the actual shot is happening, what are your eyes doing? Where are you focused? And, and how do you maintain real strong focus on a, on an animal or a target? And I've got a couple of tips and tricks for those things. So you guys let me know which way you'd like to go. Uh, I think, um, and, and fellas jump in here, uh, if you want, but I think starting off on the very, I think the, one of the most important things, and that's making sure that you have a gun properly fitted to you is, yeah. is where you start. Um, I, I know that it, it, sometimes you don't have a choice because I know like my first shotgun, it was handed down to me from my grandfather and that was what I had. And I wasn't going to the store to get properly fitted. So, but fellas chime in if you want. My first shotgun was a uh, 20 gauge bolt action. And it, it was, a, it was, it was a loner. Uh, yeah. A guy lent it to me and he said, he said, when I want it, he said, I'll come get it. I almost had that shotgun for seven or eight years when I was a teenager and uh, it had a cut down stock. So it was meant for, for him who was shorter. I was actually in the, taller than this guy he was in his 40s or 50s at the time yeah it was meant for him but i, I did cut my uh i think i cut my lip a couple times just because of the short yeah you know, short that, popping up on you eh? that stock was right but yeah for an old bolt action i got quite a few like in newfoundland i got quite a few grouse with that and and quite a few flying too so it still fit me in that way as in i could shoulder it and put a bird down with no technical shooting experience whatsoever other than just shooting at things yeah yeah my first was a qe 840 20 gauge which i still have to this day yeah right. I, I don't doubt it yeah. <laughs> killed killed a turkey with it a couple years ago. Was a, uh, yeah i was an 870 um which had I would say it had a cut down barrel. So it was like probably a 60 inch barrel. It looked like more like a home defense shotgun than anything <laughs> ever seen in that flying. But, but I love uh, it. Yeah. So, but it got the job done anything inside of 15 yards. It was a great water slot gun for a young teenager. So, my well, that's, that's kind of the fun stuff, right? Just getting out there and getting a, getting a crack at something with whatever you got. What'd you have, Damien? So, my, my first one actually was built. Um, when Cooey was still being built in Ontario before uh, Winchester yeah. bought him out. So that's, that's how old my gun was. So it was bought in 56 and uh, it was, it was a wedding gift to my grandfather. So, um, so yeah. So even when Cooey was still being made just outside, where it was just, outside. Coburg. yeah, it was Coburg. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so not far down the road from us right here. So yeah. So the Cooey's and, and those, uh, alterations to guns. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. They are. So here, 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 there's a, there's, there's a couple really good books out there. This one here, I was going to show you. Um, and you know, you don't have to get technical with this stuff. You can go find anywhere, but it's called the stock fitters Bible. Rollin Oswald. There's another one here, shotgunning art and science by Bob Brister. Like this one's been around forever. And so what, if you go in there on the gun fit part, so what it talks about is is uh, how how insanely crazy this can be if you really choose to think about it. But then also how simple we can be. And I think for this for any group we want to keep it simple because if you the minute you start 
using too many technical terms and too many things that you can't shift and adjust, people are just going to say, well, that sounds, that sounds odd and they're going to leave again. Um, so there, there's all kinds, there's a number of different measurements on a gun, right? We've heard some of the most common ones. We've heard uh, length of pull. So Mark, that would have been your issue, right? So uh, cut down the stock, length of pull. Um, you, you would have seen cast on or cast off on the, on the angle of the stock. There's actually a, there's a particular angle of the way the butt plate is cut. Uh, there's a, there's a particular, particular angle to the, to the, uh, to the way that the comb drops and all those different kinds of things. Uh, length of pull, I think I mentioned. So from the back of the stock to the right to the front of the trigger and, and all of those things are really important, uh, kind of. A lot of them are really important for comfort. So, Mark, you mentioned a little slap in the cheek, right? That's that's a telltale sign that you had a gun that was a little bit too small for you. Right. Um, it's not the only reason you get slapped in the cheek once in a while, but that's 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 one of them. <laughs> the the most important measure is one called drop at comb. So, if you took a shotgun and laid it on your counter, laid it on a very flat surface, and then took a tape measure kind of right in the middle of your stock and said, what is the distance from the table back up? Probably an inch and a half or something like that. That's your, that's your drop at comb. And there, there's a reason why that is super important. Uh, there's a reason why length of pull really isn't that important. Uh, like if you go get a, so, uh, so if you go get Chris, you go get a, a, a custom fit gun right now to fit you today in your t-shirt have fun shooting that and thinking it's going to be fitting properly in November when it's minus 30 and you're shooting some divers, right? It's just not, it's just going to be different, mm -hmm. but that drop at comb is really important. And I, so I got to talk about kind of the sight picture on a gun. And when people just hear this, sometimes they hear it for the first time and go, Oh, okay. I kind of think about, it. I think of that. I mean, we've got a quick picture I can show you if you want um, in a second. And so what that drop at comb does, that affects how you see down the barrel. Everything else you can compensate for. It's too short, it's too long. You can compensate for that. Cast on or cast off, you can compensate for that. It doesn't fit just quite right. You can kind of smush your head into a spot where you're making that gun fit. It's not ideal, but you're still gonna hit your target. But drop it comb is remarkably important. Um, so are you guys, what do we got here? Right-handed shooters or left-handed shooters? Right. right. Yeah. Okay. So as a, I'm a right-handed shooter as well. So as a right-handed shooter, so here's one of the things that I watched this from my, from duck hunting buddies and without, without even seeing them shoulder the gun, if I watch them shoot ducks in the blind and I see this following pattern, I can bet you a nickel. They're going to, they've got a drop at comb issue. So, um, and, and you know, here's part of the story, right? We go to the duck blind and, uh, and eight ducks come in that day and four ducks come in from our left and four ducks come in from the right. And what did we do? Well, we shot five of them and we think we're superheroes because we're going home with five ducks, right? Candidly, they are probably so close to shots. We probably should have gone home with six shots. Not that we always do that. Right. But, and here's what happens is every single duck that's coming, uh, that's coming left to right. So coming from your left to your right ends up in your boat or ends up in your blind. Why is that? Because you've had an unimpeded vision of that bird. So nothing that you're doing with that shotgun. Like, so think about where the shotgun is. It's over here on your right-hand side. 
the duck's coming in over here. At no point is that shotgun in the way of the view of the duck. Mm -hmm. Change the scenery and have the duck coming in from the right-hand side, and you've got your shotgun here. What happens is the duck has got a, is going to actually pass. It's going to be flying right, or your eyes are, sorry, going right over the barrel of your gun. And so if you have a drop at comb issue, what happens is you're not actually, you can't see that, um, you can't see that duck coming from left to right. But you did see it. So what did you do? Well, what you did is you, instead of having a firm back end where that gun is on your cheek, you peeked, you lifted your head up so you could see the duck. And uh, if, if the minute you take your cheek off your gun, you have no idea where you're shooting. You might be in front of it, behind it, and there's no one in the world that knows that except for you and not even you. This is the good Lord that let the pelts go somewhere, right? So that, that's kind of a really important thing to watch. When you, when you put that gun up, it's got to find that well right back here. Who, who shoots archery here? Right? Dang. So everybody's in archery a little bit. Yep. So archery, the key on that is finding that solid anchor point, the exact same spot on your face every time. Guys will use a, like a kisser button, right? It hits their lip, or they'll use something that touches under their nose and the string, so they're at the same spot every time. You've got to do the same thing with the shotgun. So when you put that that piece up the only thing you can really anchor is your cheekbone and we all have different cheekbones so that's why my gun might not fit you guys it's got nothing to do with height size weight build whatever it's got everything to do with your face structure and how it kind of sets in with your with your eyes so if you if you are if your gun is too high and it's covering your eye you actually can't see uh i'm gonna share can i share a picture with you is that, yeah, is that okay yeah, yeah do it okay you so do I'm well with you. visual aids yeah. Yeah. Oh, hey, you've got to, you've got to enable the screen sharing for me. Oh, yeah, that's right. Whoa. So we'll this, get... this is going to be a first for Waterfall <laughs> yeah. podcast. All right. We've never had guests capable like this. This is this yeah. is yeah. yeah this reaching is... the limits. Oh. Okay, so listen, uh, talk amongst yourself while I try to figure this out. I'm just going to say, <laughs> does Damien know how to do this? <laughs> yeah. Hey, so uh, while while we're doing that, have you guys ever? ever tried one of those uh, eye dominance tests yeah yeah right so how did you do it uh, i put my finger up against the like a still still object lined it up and then you would close this eye and see if your finger moved vice versa yeah. the thing that would determine whether you're it was your dominant eye or not okay so those are all really good methods and they all work I'm going to get you to try one other thing and that is to try a dynamic version so when you hold your finger out there's nothing moving right mm -hmm. and you can you can that's a good way of doing it and and it's probably accurate but you do a dynamic version of this and i'll show it to you in just a second so the dynamic version of this what it does it creates some motions and your brain might actually your eyes might work differently when things are moving right so a little bit of excitement and all of a sudden that eye dominance can change i'll see if i can back up and do this right so what happens here so what I'm doing right now is I'm going to point my, I'm going to point my middle finger right at my camera. Okay. And I'm just going to kind of go back and forth like this. Where's my finger coming up under? It's coming up under my right eye every time, right? Under this eye. So that means with movement, I'm right eye dominant. It's a neat way to try it. So try it with your buddies. Now I'll tell you kids, if they're not through puberty yet, their eyes will be left one year, right the next year. It's a really challenging thing for them. So to help them figure that out. How's that sharing going, Dan? 
Maybe. Uh, I think I got it. Minutes. I think I got it, but just check. Oh, uh, okay, not yet. That's all right. Um, and so what happens is if you're if your left eye, if you're right eye dominant, this eye is telling you how to hit that bird. It's telling you how to hit that target. Your left eye is just kind of along for the show. But if you all of a sudden go up and you pop your you pop your gun in front of your right eye, we all have done the dominance test. When you close your eye, your, your right eye, where does that your, your your thumbs on the light switch, right? And where does it go? It goes about four feet to the left, doesn't it? So that's what their sight picture will be on a bird if you impede the vision of your right eye. So you want to you want you just want to you want to make sure that you're not want to make sure you're not doing that. Here's a neat way to do this. And so this is what you can go back and do. You can go to your mirror and take your favorite shotgun, close your eyes, get up there and, and put it right in your face like you're going to shoot and then open your eyes and look right down the barrel in the mirror. And if you can't see your right eye sitting on top of that barrel, you know you've got a, 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 a drop of comb issue. If you're right, if, you're, if your eye's sitting perfectly on top of the barrel, then you got a drop of comb that fits you, which means that when you pull that gun up, it doesn't matter what that bird's doing, left, right, behind you, in front of you, you're always going to see that bird all the time with your dominant eye. If you get up there and you, and you see this, there's your gun. You know that now your left eye is taking over and any target coming in from the right-hand side is either going to cause you to miss four feet to the left or you're going to peek your head up to take a look at the target and you won't be able to, you won't be able to hit it. So it's, a neat, it's an easy exercise to go do uh, in, the, in the bathroom mirror with your favorite gun. So it was kind of funny. After I'd started learning this, I actually went back to my very first shotgun and I'm like, I never did this. How come, how come I was able to hit things as a kid? And I'm going to tell you something, a little bit of good fortune. The gun that I fir first shot with actually fit me. So the other six shotguns that I had in the closet, all of them needed adjustment, but that particular gun fit me. And so, I think, why do I like this sport so much? Because the first time I picked a shotgun up, I could see the target clearly and it tended to break when I shot. And that's not, there's, that's not anything other than being able to see that target. Does that make sense? Yeah. Clear yeah. as mud. Try, try it now, Maddie. Sure. Yeah, okay, here, check this out. It's screen two. Okay, so here's an example of, is that sharing right now? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So that's, Ooh. this is a Benelli Super Black Eagle 2. I love shooting with this gun, but when I, I would use this as an example, that is the stock setup. That's right from the factory. That's it, ready to go. So when I pull that gun up and actually mount it properly on my face, like there's a bunch of other issues, like my head's canted a bit too far, but don't worry about that. I can still hit the birds. But look what eye is looking at you, right? My left eye is staring at the target, which means everything is going to be off. Every lead picture I see is going to be screwed up. Let me show you. I'll show you picture two. Believe it or not, that's the same gun. Okay. Right? So yeah. my eye is sitting right on top of that barrel now. Mm -hmm. And so what I did is the Benelli's 
you know, they're just, they're kind of a fun field gun, right? And the, but the Benelli's have um, those little gel combs. And I actually put on the half inch extra comb for me that allowed me to see, see down the barrel properly. Okay. So there's an exercise, go back, put, put the gun in the mirror. And if you see this, great. We got to find a different reason why you're missing. But if you, if you don't, if you don't see that, then, then you can get, you got to fix it. Right. Cause otherwise, or, or every bird coming from your right-hand side, you're going to, you're going to impede your view with. So, so, so Matty, how do you I just, fix that? Yeah. Sorry, I just want to jump in here. So, so we had talked about yeah, this um, about I don't know a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about this, fellas, and I don't know who it was, but somebody had asked, um, "Do you close an eye when you shoot, or do you shoot with both eyes open?" Now, um, I think I and and I shoot with both eyes open, but that's just because. Um, that was just the way I was taught to shoot from, from the army and, and stuff like that. So when I'm looking at your pictures, Maddie, you've got both eyes open. It, is that, 100%. yeah. So th the reason why I have both eyes open is because I, I, I was trained always, you needed to be able to see what's coming off to your side, yeah. right? You don't want tunnel vision. Um, when you're instructing somebody, are you totally taking them out of closing an eye are you saying okay listen the 100%. days of, yeah the days yeah. of you closing one eye those days are over now so if you guys all came in and we all proved that you were right-handed shooters and you're right eye dominant we are leaving all both eyes open all the time it just it gives your brain that much more information uh gives you much better depth perception and much more natural feel to a target. Now, so let's suppose, Damien, you came in, you're a right-handed shooter, and we figured out that you are totally either cross-dominant, which yep. means that both eyes kind of give information equally, or that you are left-eye dominant. If I see a young shooter that's left-eye dominant and right-handed, I try to do everything in my power to get them shooting left-handed. But... Sometimes when we've got a couple decades behind us, that's yeah. a difficult thing to try and encourage someone to do, especially when they've got a closet full of guns that say I'm a right-handed shooter. Right. Yeah. It's funny you bring that up. A friend of mine, a guy who I actually got into hunting, we've been long, long time friends and whatnot. I got him into waterfowl and he tagged along for a number of hunts. And then he's like, yeah, like I'm into this. Let's do this. So he did his courses, went and got himself uh, a Beretta. I can't remember which, which, uh, model i think it was like the eureka 2 or something he's left eye dominant but he couldn't for the life of him grasp shooting off the left shoulder yeah so <clears throat> through the course of time he like shot off his right shoulder and forced himself to use his right eye yeah. and actually became a very proficient shooter in doing so what, what was he shooting? Ducks, thing? geese, or targets? What was he doing? Waterfowl. Okay. So what if I come across there's a solution to that, right? Um, so first of all, if you do anything long enough, your body, like, so what what has he tricked his body to do? He's tricked his body to say uh ducks, so he's left eye dominant, right? Let me just get this right. So left eye dominant, so ducks coming from the from the right hand side, he needs like this little. I might get this wrong, but little wee lead, 
but Duck's coming right to left. He probably gives him an eight-foot lead. That's what he's taught his body. So instead of giving a duck that would normally have a four-foot lead on either side, left or right, he's probably taught himself to, to like triple the lead on birds on one side of his head and, and almost shoot at the other ones. And you can, you can fool your body to do that, right? You can do that. So here's another way to, to handle that. So when you get a pair of glasses coming in, so if you're right, if you're left eye dominant and, and bound bent determined to shoot right, or if you're cross eye dominant, and by the way, these things guys are, they're remarkably, they're remarkably common. I'm going to say that like 15% of everybody we know with a shotgun has some form of an eye dominance different than what their hand is shooting. That's just my experience. So what you need to do is you need to, uh, you need to block the intake on the, on the left eye. So again, I'm focusing only on right-handed shooters. So if you're left eye dominant and you want to shoot right, what you need to do is you need to impede the vision of your left eye so that your right eye takes over and will go hit the target. So how do you do that? Well, a really awkward way of doing that and way of limiting your business is just close your left eye. That's one way you can do it, right? That's one way you can get it done. Another way, and if you go to um, if you go to any skeet club or any national skeet shooting association competition tomorrow, I bet you're going to see about 30% of the shooters, if not more, with some form of of ocular occlusion or something that blocks their vision on their eye. So you'll see guys at the, at the, with like a piece of tape, right? You've seen that before a piece of tape over their eye, over their glasses. And there's, there's lots of different ways you can do it. So if, if you can occlude the view on that eye, then all of a sudden what you'll do is you'll just make sure your brain takes over. So the reason I like, um, I like a piece of tape. And by the way, it doesn't have to be, uh, it doesn't have to be electrical tape. It could even just be like a piece of masking tape that still lets light in. So what happens is here is when, so I'm just going to put these on. So if I've got a piece of tape here, if the bird's coming in, I can see that bird the whole way until right when it gets in the shooting point, all of a sudden now I can't see it and my right eye is going to take over. So by only doing a small little occlusion as opposed to holding the eye shut, you get all kinds of vision. You get your regular peripherals. And yet at the moment that you're going to actually look at the target and shoot it, your right eye, the, the proper eye is going to be taken over. So that you always take hunting with you, right? Look at that. Science. Yeah. Hey, Matt, just going back to uh, shooting with one eye versus two eyes. Yeah. Uh, um, if you have somebody, let's say, who's been like, you know, uh, a waterfowler most of their lives and then they join a shooting club and they want to get into competitive shooting and you've noticed that this person you know is is a one-eye shooter what kind of tips and tricks do you have for somebody who's trying to make a progression from shooting with one eye to train them to shoot with two sure um so the the last two things i'll kind of i'll kind of we'll jump back and forth here but the one was uh focusing on the target right and so i think this will actually help with keeping both eyes open Here's one of the challenges when we uh, when we first learn to shoot. Here's what typically happens: either a it was a 22 rifle, right, and so that's point and shoot, which it does not matter what your eyes do. So if you're left eye dominant, but you still line up those two sights, right, back sight, front sight, you're going to hit the target. 
Um, so then what happens? What do we do when we take someone with a shotgun first? We typically line up a pie plate, set it in the field, say shoot the pie plate. It's the exact same thing as shooting a 22. Line up the beads on your shotgun or the rib and it's kind of like turkey shoot, turkey on at that point, right? Um, then what do we do? So we've all been to a skeet club before. We've been out in the field shooting targets. And what target do we shoot first? Well, we shoot. Uh, so who's shot skeet here? Has everybody shot skeet before? Okay. So low seven, right? So you're standing and on the seven station, the bat, the one end of the horseshoe, and the target goes directly away from you. There's no lead on that gun. That is actually like, or on that shot, that's actually like kind of pointing and shooting, right? It's, that's almost like hitting the pie plate because the thing doesn't move. Got a point in the right spot and you can, yeah, you get it right away from you. So what I like to do is I move shooters over a little bit and I move them in between station six and seven. And what we do is we shoot long, long incomers from high house. And so the very first thing that we do, so going back to how do we teach you to, to not close an eye is it's going to sound funny, but we just stand there with no gun, no gun whatsoever. And I say, the target's coming from over here, real long, slow target and break it in front of you. And you can see it all day long. So it doesn't seem like one of the fast ones. Right. And say, so I just said, point your nose at the target the whole way. And you get them to do that three or four times. And it sounds goofy, but point your nose at the target. It, it is impossible to lose focus on the target. There's no need to close an eye and they'll get really comfortable with seeing that target. And so that, that's kind of that first step. Um, if, if you actually close your eye when you're looking at something straight ahead, kind of your nose gets in the way and other things and it, it doesn't, it's not as comfortable. So I just say, what are you more comfortable with? Both eyes open watching that target go across or was it more comfortable squinting an eye shut? And they'll say every single time they'll say, well, both eyes open is more comfortable because you're not using any muscles to contract it. Right. So that's how we start that piece. So then the, the next thing is, is we start to put something else in the way, right? So then we start to say, put your thumb up there, put your thumb up there and just kind of make sure you're in front of that target the whole time. But you don't, don't take your eyes off the target. And it's, it, people will really quickly go, okay, I get it. With, without leaning into a shotgun, thinking I must close an eye to be on the rail, I can, I can just focus on that, you know, the thumb gun or just focus on the target. And so before we even touch a gun, we're going to get rid of that misconception. You got to close an eye. Make sure though, that you've figured out the, the dominant eye issue. Cause if you, if you really tell someone to close their eye that they love their brain loves getting information from, that's going to be a tough day for them. Matty, when it, when it, when you come to you know you're you're starting to, to to talk to people and teach them how to how to how to shoot and and your tips and tricks. Listen, uh, I'm pretty confident here to say that if you had a woman walk in and willing to take some lessons, the woman will be a lot more receptive to the tips and tricks that you're going to say, as opposed to a bullheaded male that, well, I don't need anybody to teach me how to shoot because I've been shooting forever. Um, so when it comes to 
and and I'm by no means am I saying that that people are being ignorant or or refusing the help, but you know I I'm sure you've come across the situations where people are like, well, yeah, that's a little bit hokey, Matt. Like, come on now, like you want me to yeah. point my nose at the target and I'm not going to have a gun in my hands? Like, come on, buddy. Like, what are you, what are you smoking? You know, how do you, how do you talk to these fellas and, and say, listen, just, it, there's a process, just. Sure. So here's, here's the first thing is uh, uh, no need to share an opinion unless you've been asked for it. <laughs> right. So, uh, and this sounds funny, but I'm, my mission is not to go save people and teach them how to shoot straight uh, that don't want to, um, you know, if, and so one of the things that I, I, if, if we all went shooting tonight, I'm not going to say a thing unless you said before the round, I'm having trouble with that high house target. Can you help me out with it? Mm -hmm. I'll watch you like a hawk and I'll be prepared. If you ask me later what was going on, Trust me, I'll have, I, I will see these things and I'll have a couple notes for you over a beer. Uh, and that's not just a way to get a free beer from you, Dane. <laughs> so, it, it, but I, I won't. So the first thing is you got to have a willing participant. Anybody who comes to my coaching classes, typically, not all the time, but typically has said, I think I've got room for improvement. Right. And, uh, and so so that usually you got a bit of a willing participant, but sometimes someone drags their buddy along and I look, I, I wait to see if, if they don't want advice or a tip, then there's no point in me talking because it's not going to go. So what I'll have them do is I'll have them watch some others and then I'll have them, I'll have them uh, maybe try it out. And I'll show, I'll tell you something real quick, the, the kind of without any guns, this is kind of fun. So um and I'll, what I'll do is I'll have them recognize that they've made an error. The minute they recognize that maybe they're not doing this right, the door opens a little bit. You can get you can get a really good student out of it, someone who wants to learn and educate. Let me. Uh, I talked about so three things I talked about right at the top of the show here was gun fit, lead type, and then focus on a target. So let me just go to lead type for a second because that's I actually probably should talk about that before we talk about looking at the target or using your putting your thumb out there. So there's, there's three basic ways you can shoot a flying target and you need to know them all because they're all going to come in handy at some point. But I also think you need to understand which one is best and, and, and uh, in, in an ideal circumstance, which one is best. So, this goes back to, and maybe just a tad more science, some, but something we probably learned way back when, is, so right now, if uh, someone walked in on Mark's periphery and, and threw him a can of beer, I'm going to bet you he catches it like Jason Bourne, right? Not even looking at it, goes boom, and the beer is It'd there. It'd have to be a tea, tea bag. <laughs> a tea, mm -hmm. <laughs> tea bag. So I'm going to have through beer mask. <laughs> So why, why does that happen? Do you know why? Wash reflexes. So our eyes are our eyes are focused on the fastest thing in our field of view. So whatever is moving fastest, your eyes are drawn to. Every single human that focused on the slow things got eaten by saber-toothed tigers. They're all dead. <laughs> 
Okay. So every one of our ancestors has this, right? Is that, and we're, we're there. And so, so understanding that now let's talk about these three lead types. So the, there's three lead types that you'll see on uh, lots of conversation about one is one's called a maintained lead or a sustained lead. I'll come back to the, I'll come back to each of them. One's called a pull away. One's called a swing through. So what is a maintained lead? So maintained lead says this. So here's your target, right? So tar target's coming across. Sorry, target's coming across. What you do is you insert your gun ahead of it and it stays the same pace and somewhere along the pattern you shoot it. How I like to think about it. So if you're merging on your favorite highway or interstate, what's your ideal speed? The exact same speed as the 18 wheeler, just four car lengths ahead of it, right? That's your ideal way to intercept a clean space onto the highway. That's a sustained lead. The a, a pull away method means this. So that means that you went cranking onto the highway, looked in your rearview mirror, and saw that you're just about to hit the truck. So you hammered the gas and pulled ahead, right? So you you kind of you kind of point it, the target's going this way and you point at the target and then pull away to make a lead. And then the next one is a swing through method whereby the target's here, your gun's way back here and you got to kind of swing through the target to find the right lead. So on those last two that I spoke about, when you're pulling your gun away from a target or you're swinging through a target, what is the fastest thing in your field of view, the target or your gun? It's your gun. So your eyes are naturally going to focus on something, your gun instead of the instead of the target. That's kind of like golf. You take your you take your head off uh, off of that off where the, the ground beneath your ball when you're swinging. You're probably gonna we've all heard that, right? You keep your head down. Well, it's just maintaining focus on that spot you want to hit. The main the maintain lead method. What happens is the target and the gun will match speed, and it's much easier for you to pick up that piece. So going back to this, uh, maybe a long answer to your question, how do you get someone who's kind of cranky about hearing advice on how to shoot? So remember before I said, you're going to follow that target on station kind of six and a half with your nose, like literally throw a target and just watch it with your nose. Now we're going to replace that with your thumb. Like there's no intimidation. There's no gun going off. And all I say is put your thumb like four feet in front of that target or two feet in front of that target and stay at two feet in front of, the, of that target the whole way across the field. And so if you see this, if you see someone go out and, and, and their thumb looks like this going across the field nice and smooth, that means they are focused on the target. If you see this, where your thumb is jerking and it's moving around, what that's telling me is that their eyes are going from their gun to the bird and the bird to the gun and the gun to the bird. You're just joggling your mind. It's got no memory on where to shoot. And you pull the trigger, you might get it, you might not. So having that, that's kind of fun because when I use that thumb gun piece, I've yet to have somebody come out and do it perfect the first time. I've never had a lesson. Everyone always, they, 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 they say pull and the thing jerks. You go, well, why did you, why did it jerk? You, your target was right there. And as soon as they catch themselves making that move, then they'll realize they need an issue and they want to have a conversation. So that's kind of where I go on those. I, I go to an obvious, um, you know, the one thing about, about humans is we're all very similar. Our human, 
our human characteristics and our human reactions are all quite similar. So I know that if I take people there and they make a mistake, 99% of those folks want to learn how to fix that. Sorry, long answer to that one, no, but it's good, kind of buddy. important, it's right? Good. So that, that, that maintain lead. So, you know, when you're skate shooting and your gun's up, right? And you've got like all your guns already on your shoulder and you're saying pull. Um, I've had some hunters come to me and say, well, that's not how you hunt. And I bet you I shoot 90% of my birds with my gun locked into my shoulder as they're coming into my decoys. Right. It's not a surprise, right? You're ready. You see that target coming in a long way for 90% of our birds. I, I, would, um, I would agree with that. Right. So you get even on, even on pheasants. So even at like, I've got a pointer. So he just sits there and you got all day to set up on a pheasant. Right. And you've got, you go to the wind, you pretty much know which way the things are going to fly. It's kind of like shooting a stop sign. So not that hard. But even if you get a dog, like I used to run a lab that would uh, flush. He never pointed, right? He just flushed birds. And, but you can tell when your dog's getting birdie. And when your dog's getting birdie, you get your gun up, you get ready because you know something cool's about to happen. So where do you use a, a pull-away shot or a swing through? Um, maybe on a bird that truly does surprise you, right? You're sitting there in your blind kind of half sucking back a coffee and that blue teal screams by and you got one, you got to make up ground. So it's really good to know how to use those different lead types, but it's also good to know that, Hey, I got to get a sustained lead and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to slow everything down by matching my bird speed and my gun speed. Kind of a neat way to do it. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident in my, in my duck, hunting uh ability or, or puddle duck hunting ability yeah but for the life of me when it comes to divers buddy i am horrible like i just i'm just throwing it's just as well for me to throw the shells at the birds because yeah. i i am not hitting like i am not efficient i'm not an efficient shooter when it comes to when it comes to those divers that come screaming in right on top of the water. And then, you know, um, so here, here's a neat thing to note. Um, if you go, if you have access to a gun club that shoots at night, shoots yeah. uh, skeet targets at night, if you've got the right light. So our Kingston club has uh, we do a night shoot every Wednesday night. And if you get the right lights, this is going to sound a little odd, but you can actually, you can actually see your shot cloud. So if you get a club with nighttime, I've never been able to do this in the daytime ever. I just, I don't, I don't think my eyes are, 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 are I don't think any human eye could pick that up, but at nighttime with the right vision, you can actually see the shot of going at your target. Here's the one thing I'll tell you. 99% of all birds missed on a sporting clays range when guys are actually holding their gun properly and shooting it right. Or 99% of all ducks missed are missed where? behind the bird yeah. probably because they didn't have enough of the lead yeah right and uh and so if you got a if you get a if you got a diver out there 35 yards going east to west on you you got to have a huge like if they're if they're they're not stopping for your decoys sometimes right they're sailing yeah. right through those suckers yeah and 
you got to have a big lead on those. Very rarely do we miss in front. Very rarely. So most misses are from behind. Yeah. You'd so. be surprised how many guys, like I do a little bit of guiding and stuff for, yeah. for, for ducks. You'd be surprised how many guys will miss cripples. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, so, like, like generally, like if we're doing a diver shoot, you know, we'll have like the little kind of pre, pre-shoot uh, yeah. debrief like in the morning. And I'll tell guys like, you know, dive, like divers just don't fucking die. They just don't. <laughs> so I'll tell guys like, you're going to cripple birds. Like it happens. Like don't beat yourself up before if you didn't kill it. Like it, it's one to drop it and two to kill it. That bird would be laying on the laying on the water, head up, whatever the case may be. And I've watched guys like shit, fifteen yards, twenty yards, completely miss divers. And I'll tell them the biggest thing they don't compensate for is like the spread of your shot. Mm-hmm. And they'll shoot over the bird every fucking time. They'll put like two <laughs> two two pellets into it if you're lucky. And I'll tell them draw a line from the brain down the neck through the breast to where it meets the water, and put your bead on that line where it meets the water because that will put the majority of your shot pattern into the head, the neck and the breast and stuff and kill the bird. Like even shooting still targets, you'd be surprised how many people can still miss a still target oh, with a proper gun fit and proper sight picture and, and so forth. I'll bet you a lot of those guys too have, if you look at, so what's, what's the number, if you've got to drop a comb that's in your eyeball, remember what I said you're going to do, you're going to cheat. You're going to peek your top head up. Yeah. The minute you poke your head up, your gun's shooting high. Right? So the minute, especially when you're aiming. If you're aiming, if you're aiming a gun that doesn't fit you right and you cheat and you bring your head up so you can see the duck and the beads on it, you're going over it every time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're right, Doug. Cheek. You made a great point there. That's super. Keep your effing cheek against the gun. Yeah. Be one with the stock. But that's, you know, and, you know, Phil, you you sort of touched on a good thing. And and I know with divers, you are right. Like you will have cripples with divers. It's going to happen, right? You're not always going to have a clean shot. But when it comes to shooting, Matt, and and I know all the boys will agree you want to do it as efficiently as possible. Not only do you want to save on the ammo, but you want to, to, to dispatch that bird as ethical as possible, right? You don't want that thing flopping around. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So, so when it comes to these, these tricks and, and these tips that, that you're talking about, the, the ultimate goal is that these, whatever it is, be it clay pigeons or real birds, you want it, and, and I'll use the word destroyed because I just can't think of a different, a better word, but you want those those birds destroyed or those clay yeah. as efficiently as possible, right? For sure you do. Yeah. And that, that, that focus piece, um, I remember my very first, uh, my very first snow goose hunt in Saskatchewan and it was amazing right it was just like something I'd never seen never experienced before and the sky is literally just filled and yeah it's funny right you, you've still got to pick out one bird and you got to shoot one bird and so the the guy that would kind of set the day up for us he was sitting beside me and and uh he looks over and he goes he goes would you quit shooting the snow geese 
And I kind of looked at him. I said, I thought we were here to shoot snow geese. And he goes, no, no, no. Shoot the dark ones. Right. So shoot like the speckled bellies or the blue bellies. That's what he will. That's because they taste better. And I remember thinking there's actually a difference in the birds up there. And he made me stop, slow down and then start focusing on the birds. And they just popped out of the sky. Right. They just popped out all the white ones. I just put out of my, out of my brain and anything with a speckle or a bit of, or a bit of darker color on it. They're the ones that were my target. And, and that day got me on to something where I was like, okay, that, that laser focus on an animal when you're shooting it is really important. Like, so when you're shooting, uh, when you're shooting anything, right, you're shooting a deer, you, you don't aim for the, for the lung area. You aim for a single hair in that lung area, right? You aim for a single crease or something that you go aim small, miss small. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we use, and I, I use it all the time with our youth shooters as well, and because we have a lot of fun with this and we kind of test it as we're going through the field, whether it's a game bird or it's a, or it's a waterfowl, they all have their mouths open and closed. And so I will ask them, I'll say, was your bird's mouth, be it bill or beak, open or closed when you shot it? And, and the kids that get the focus, they can tell you mouth clo- or beak closed, bill closed when I shot that one. Wow. And they'll be right every time because they're that focused on the target and the kids that can tell you what they're what the beak or the bill was doing on those birds they just they do a better job of hitting animals because their focus on them is just so intense when uh when you're shooting targets so this is a yellow target but here's a you, they got these little rings on them right and i remember I had a guy instructing me some time ago and he said, you got to, you got to be able to count the rings on the target in flight. And I was like, this guy's into lunch. You can't count the rings on the target. It's moving too fast. And I, I promise you, if you, if you've never done this and you go to the range tomorrow, you won't be able to do it. But if you stay, if you keep trying it sometime this month, you'll go, I can't believe it. I just counted four rings on that target and I broke it. Like your focus will totally change. If you can pick something really small, even on a target or even on a bird, and it, it'll 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 help along the way. Uh, Ryan, I, I wanted. Oh, sorry, Phil. Ryan, I wanted to go back to when when uh, Maddie was talking about uh, being out in Saskatchewan and, and doing his hunt. Now, when you've guided out west, and and listen, I know that. Um, when you're working with, with Claudio uh, and Angaros, like you're getting the, the full spectrum of, of Hunter, right from the novice to a seasoned veteran, right? So as a guide, when you're sitting back, do you have to, like, have you had to, to give any hints or, or tips or anything like that when, when you've had to, you know, when, when fellas are missing birds or, or whatever, have you had, cause I know when we were out there, Daryl Gilbert done an awful lot of laughing at us on, on missing birds and stuff like that. So, and I know Daryl had to tell us things, right? So have you had to do the same thing? Uh, the, the most common one I'd say is probably what, uh, what Matt touched on is like, you know, when you have, when you have like, you know, a volley of like upwards of 500 birds, in a, in, in a shooter's lap, you know, where the sky is, it looks like a, a cloud of fog coming on you. Guys get really wide-eyed. They don't really know 
know, some guys just think they're going to pull the trigger and point their gun up and stuff's going to fall out of the sky. And it's just not, not the case. So there's that. But the other one is, especially with, with snow goose hunting is um, the, the distance. Um, the snow geese tend to hang a lot too. Like they'll hang over high and just kind of peek down. They'll stay at those 40, 50, 60 yard distances. And optically a guy, you know, you know, a 60 yard shot isn't a very, you know, an ethical shot, but you know, we're, we're giving these guys high quality ammunition. They're using high quality firearms, you know, and at a still target, like a, like a snow goose when they're hanging, um, it's, it's a, it's an extremely killable bird. So, I mean, there's that kind of thing. Give them the confidence, like, Hey, you guys have the ballistics in, in there to, to, to produce results there. So there's a little bit of coaching like that, but I'd say the, the biggest one, uh, we don't get too technical, um, yeah. but it is, I can say it is, it is, you know, as a guide, we take a lot of pride of how much we bring back to the, to the outfit. And, uh, there's days where you've got, you've got five really good shooters in front of you and they make a good day look great. And then you might get five businessmen from New York who have been, or this is on their second waterfowl hunt in their lives and they make a great hunt, great hunt look average. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think the biggest thing too, though, is guys that flock shoot and like, you know, to being out West Ryan, like you got those like Mondo flocks that are doing it dirty in the kill hole and guys will just sit up and just start peppering the fucking sky. And it's like, yeah, I, I hit one. Well, those birds were at 20 yards. Why didn't you hit three? Or even mm-hmm. get a fucking scotch double and, you know, bag four and three shots, right? Like, the biggest thing is, like, yeah, you get those juicy birds coming in and they just flock shoot. And to, you know, echo what what Matt said, like, if you can't see the target, you can't hit the target. And I think that would be a, a fair analogy, right, Matt? Like, For sure. For sure. Fo- focus is, like, 98% of the fucking skill. If you can't focus on that target, if you can't see the target, you can't hit the target. And those guys that flock shoot, you know, it's just an exercise in frustration. <clears throat> like, so they'll pepper the sky. Well, ba- backpedal it here, sweetheart. Like, pick a bird. Like, even when they're at 100 fucking yards, pick that bird. As they, as they work in, if your bird drifts off, to, you know, the other end of the, the shooting lane, pick another bird. And keep your eye on that mm-hmm. bird. And when it's go time, get up, shoot that bird switch your focus to a next one that's also, you know, attainable and shoot that bird. And, you know, if, if that point, you know, they're out too far, don't waste the third shot. Mm-hmm. But focus yeah. is the biggest, biggest priority. I don't think, like, I I don't think I purposely do that focus thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think I purposely, like in my brain, I'm going through a a, a checklist of things that I need to do, but I know that I can think back. So, so I guess what I'm trying to get at. So for the listeners, if, if some of this stuff sounds like it's a little bit out there or anything like that, like I know how I set up. And, and I can think of birds that Mark and I have shot that we've all shot together. And I know exactly how that bird, I can still remember how that bird came in. I can remember bringing my gun up and I can remember pulling my trigger and the bird dropping. So if, if, if you can't remember that, then 
is, is, would it be a fair assumption to say that you're not focused? And, and I don't mean that you're purposely focusing and you're going through this checklist in your brain, but if you can't remember shooting that bird, then you're probably not focused. Is, is that a fair assessment? Yeah. And you know, one of, one of the things that I see is uh, some guys can't see bands on geese, mm -hmm. right? And so they're not focused on a bird. If you can't see the big shiny silver thing on a goose's leg as it's coming into you, you're not focused on the bird. You're focused mm -hmm. on the flock. And yeah, good point. And, I, and I've got so like there's a funny thing, right? You could you could say increase your focus and look there. Even that's not that looking at the foot of a goose is not the ideal spot to be focusing on. But at least you're starting to focus on a bird and say look for some eye candy, right? That's a good point. You know what? Yeah. And and so I said that I'm focused, but now that you've brought that up, I've hunted with Mark and Ryan and, and we've hunted ducks and I've heard Ryan say, that's a, that's a, that's a wonky duck coming in there. Meaning that it's, it's an off duck. Like it's not a, a pure mallard. There's something yeah. that there's something different about that mallard yeah. that's coming in. Right. And I don't see it, but yet, he does, or Mark will say, there's something wrong with this bird. This bird isn't a, a mallard or it isn't a black duck that's coming in. So well, obviously those guys are focused because I, and so, I yeah, definitely part, don't see it. Part of this is you, I like, I never want the advice I have to become a chore. It's, it's, supposed, yeah. to be, it's supposed to be fun. So mm -hmm. I actually think that looking at what the bird's bill is doing and understanding was it open or closed when you shot it is a great, it's a fun way for you to go. Was I focused on that? Looking for looking for the eye candy in the sky, looking for the looking for the bands is a really fun way mm -hmm. to build focus. Now, Those goals are great ways to do that. With that, we I, I do have to preface this by saying um using a what what's that crazy wonky lens that you use on your camera, Philly? That the uh, the tele What's the shot that? cam? No, the, the oh, tele zoom, no, like te a like telescopic. Yeah, that telescopic zoom tele on your camera that doesn't count. Ah. Yeah, yeah, because because we do we know of people that that's what they do, right? They sit down and and they they use yeah. their camera to to pick out those birds with the with the bling on to them. Hey, and, let and let me share just so in case let's somebody's let listening and they go, oh my gosh, my gun doesn't fit. This stinks. I just bought it. What do I do now? Um, there, there's there's like these are all, they, they can be expensive shifts or they can be really inexpensive. So I, I keep, uh, when I'm doing some shotgun coaching, there's, uh, there's some things online. You go to Amazon today, buy, they're called bear tooth. Uh, there's some other things called rapid mm -hmm. combs. All they are is essentially a neoprene sleeve with some foam in top that makes, you can change the height of your gun. Um, very rarely do I catch someone with a comb that is too high. Most of them are designed for whatever reason to be too low. And so to have, if I was an outfitter, I'd have a bunch of those there. And, you know, maybe not if it's a one day hunt, let the guys go do what they want to do. But if it, if you've got guys in for three and four and five days, I'd actually take a minute and go, Hey, let's just see how, how your gun fits you. Right. And here's a $25 solution that we got off Amazon. And that you can make them because I've seen guys put those things on and it happens overnight. They can hit more targets because their eyes aren't, our eyes aren't occluded. Um, so I wanted to make sure as, as we got started, there's some, you know, if you want to start cutting your stock on your Beretta 696, that's a big, that's a big ticket item. 
Um, you know, it's not a bad thing to do if that's what you're going to shoot birds with. But if you don't want to do that, just go buy one of these $25 solutions. They work absolutely great. The, uh, I think before neoprene was really handy, you saw, you'd see the old coaches walk around with, uh, that green painter's tape and stacks of cardboard and they just build your stock up. Looked like hell and didn't last, but there you go. My, um, my kids, they're all shooting competitive skeet and, I'm not about to go modify their stocks because whatever I do this year is wrong next year. So mm-hmm. we're, we're using those bear tooth and rapid comb products and they, they totally make a difference. And so as an outfitter to make a good day, maybe even a little bit better, have a couple of those in your bag and just say, let's, let's line them up and see, see how you're doing with them. Maddie, um, I've been really trying to figure out a way how I was going to break into the uh, into the youth part of this, sure. and, the, and then you re- done it nicely for me by bringing up your kids. And I know two sons and a daughter that are are very very active outside archery shooting. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, great kids. You know, you are a very very big. Um, ambassador for the youth and especially in this area I know you're a huge ambassador for getting the youth involved and and teaching them properly safe handling of firearms and and proper shooting and stuff what have you seen in the last let's say five years with regards to kids and and their interests into coming into shooting sports and, and ultimately, you know, getting into hunting and, and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think it, it's, uh, first of all, it's, it's really important. It's very rewarding. So I encourage everyone, everybody here, make a little list of the little people in your lives and invite them and their parents out for a shoot and have some fun. I don't care if it's in your backyard or wherever else. And because here's the ticket, right? Is none of these kids, if they've happened, if they happen to have a parent that, doesn't have a license they can't try this until someone puts their arm around them and says come try it with me right and and it's uh, i've got i've probably got a lot of kids licensed and their parents aren't yet and and it's it's an amazing thing so um in our expansion of our club one of the things we did a long time ago we just said hey let's we want to get in the community we want to be out there have a conversation with people and just see if we can build some interest. And so we had an opportunity to go to the local boys and girls club on the spring sporting registration. So that's the registration where if your daughter wanted to go and play soccer or T-ball or baseball or dance class or karate or science camp or anything like that, you'd go there and every one of these organizations was showcasing their work and, and, uh, we had a couple of the guys say, what, what are you doing taking the, like, you're going to have a shotgun sport, sport right there in front of like ballet and soccer. <laughs> and I said, yeah, we are. And what we did is we put on a promotion. We, right after the event, we put on an open house where we said, everybody in the city can come out and, and shoot for free. Come give it a try. And so what we did is I spoke to uh, a lot of the parents that were there and in like a six hour span, it was the simplest collection of data ever collected 60 names of parents who said, I can't believe you're here. This is amazing. I want to give this a try. All the kids were into it too. I didn't have, I've yet to have a single negative feedback of someone saying, what are you doing here with guns at the 
kids sporting thing. It's been a remarkable, remarkable feedback. Uh, some of the other things that we've done are this Eastern Ontario Youth Hunt collaboration. And so what that is, we've taken some businessmen in town and some local organizations and said, our goal is to get as many kids licensed with their firearms license and their hunting license so they can go enjoy our sport. And uh, like, check out this for a fun opportunity. So COVID has kind of beat it up this year, but we're going to get back to it as soon as we can. So once the kids, we had all the kids write us an essay, you know, like a one pager to say why they want their hunting license, why do they want their firearms license. And then we had a committee that selected the kids and the other kids that, that didn't get selected, we had them on a waiting list for the next year. So we, we did our very best, right? And it was kids aged from, oh, we went as low as 12 and as high as I think it was 18 years old was our, our oldest kid. After that, we said they're kind of adults, they can do their own or do a different format. And what the kids got was they got their firearms instruction, their hunting course instruction. They then got uh, a sporting or a, a clay shooting day where they'd learn three hours on shooting skeet, three hours on shooting trap, three hours on shooting sporting clays. And these kids got so good. Like, yeah, it was, it was so well done. We then took them on uh, some duck hunts and we took them on some guided pheasant hunts. And that's the kids all got this. So their very first year, they had pheasant hunt under their belt, duck hunt or goose hunt. Wow. And they they probably shot more targets than their parents had ever seen before. Right. And we got a lot of them. A lot of those folks came back and became members of our club. Absolutely. And, you know, that, that was, I'll be honest, that's part of what we were trying to do. Um, Delta Waterfowl, Ducks Unlimited, uh, lots of those folks were online and they said they, they gave all the kids free ma magazines for a year, free mm -hmm. memberships so that they, you know, you get used to reading the conservator, right? You're probably going to keep reading that thing. And so, yeah, we're, we have a really good program going and we just, uh, I miss it that we're not doing it right now. So we'll, we'll get, we'll get back to it when we can, as soon as the government allows us. But I think you'll go back to um, have, make sure you're introducing somebody to it, right? So I'm sure everybody on this call right now can probably remember their first time and how important the kill was, right? It's not really about that anymore, is it, guys, right? It's about going out there, having a good time, having a good laugh. And to watch now, if I can take some youth shooters out, I've given up my opening day probably for the last three years, not that I've given it up, uh, but I don't hold a gun because I'm mentoring a student who's there and uh, they get to shoot the ducks and I'll run my dog and we have the great old time and there's nothing more fulfilling than that. So I encourage you all to do it. Yeah. And I, I think, so I know Ryan and Merck, they, they have uh, in the past uh, very, very big uh, participants in the uh, upper Ottawa Valley youth program. Um, Merck's still involved with it. Like you said, COVID sort of put a screw to that there uh, over the last year, but it is. And I, and something that we talk about on this show a lot is that it is our responsibility. And I honestly feel that this is 100% true, but it is our responsibility to give back not only to um, Ducks Unlimited and Delta and OFAH and all of those wonderful organizations that's out there trying to preserve this way of life force, but it's also important for us to give back and to try and bring that new generation in because for, for no other reason other than this, listen, if you go out on a hunt and somebody, the dude that's next to you, 
and he's screwing up your hunt because he's doing something boneheadish. It's because he wasn't educated. Yep. And, and that's what it comes down to. He wasn't educated, wasn't mentored the proper way. I, I keep saying him, but he or she. Um, and, and I honestly do. I know Phil is involved in it. Dave, um, who's not on the call, who Dave, uh, same as you, gives up a ton of his time for, for youth up in Concord and, and trying to do the same thing. So it is our responsibility. And, and it's not a nice to do. It's what we need to do. We need to get back and we need, um, I can't remember who the guest was, fellas, um, but we did have a guest on one time and, and I'm ashamed that I can't remember, but they had, they had even said to us that um, a lot of the times what's happening is that a kid from school or a kid's friend is in the hunting, that kid wants to get into hunting, the parents are not hunters never ever been hunters so they're never going to get exposed to it but they want they have this desire to want to to get out there and if it isn't for people like us and like you Matt that that are doing these programs these kids are never going to get a chance to take part in this and and it is something that we really really need to do especially if we want to keep our firearms rights if we want this tradition of going out and being able to put food on the table for ourselves and, and this whole um, camaraderie that everybody talks about, oh, it's not about the birds, it's about the camaraderie. Everybody says it, but do they honestly practice it? Yeah. I want to say, I think it was Anthony Smith. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it was Anthony Smith, probably. So let me, uh, I want to plug just a couple of places here. Because Absolutely. You're doing a really good job. So. First of all, the club that we're a part of, the Kingston District Trapskeaton Sporting Clays Club, is a. I feel we're doing a remarkable job in outreaching to our youth. Um, we believe if we open up, we're actually going to run some youth-specific and youth-only days where we've got mentors there, so anyone can bring their kids in for free shoots and just to get you get to initiate the sport. Um, the other thing, so the National Skeet Shooting Association and the Ontario Skeet Shooting Association, I'll tell you the. They roll out the red carpet when they see young shooters. So typically, if you were to go to a, a shooting event, you're going to see pretty mature, pretty mature crowd. Um, I show up, I got three kids in tow, and they're all ready to go. And I'll tell you, they get treated like absolute gold. So my hat's off to the National Skeet Shooting Association and the Ontario Skeet Shooting Association. So how well they, they treat their youth in, in, in organizing that. Um, the reason I like those... I like that target shooting is they can do it on a sunny day, right? They can get used to shooting things when your hands aren't cold and you're, you're not getting bit by mosquitoes. Maybe like this, it's just an easier entry into, into those pieces. And uh, so I think if, if you're not a member of, uh, if you like shooting birds at all, you probably do. If you're listening to this, or you're watching this. If you're not a member of uh, some type of a clay club, Trap club, ski club, sporting clays club, go be a part of one. Uh, I guarantee there'll be some folks there that can lend you a hand. Uh, I guarantee that they want to welcome youth shooters. It's uh, I used to think, I used to think before I was a member of, of target shooting clubs that it was you know maybe a little bit stuffy crowd, and it, I my experience is absolutely not very welcoming and and very open to new shooters and kids because they typically get it that 
the more members they have shooting in the public, the better it is for their sport. Yeah, no, good, good point. And, uh, uh, you know, when I was a member, the same thing uh, of the club here in Kingston and, and it wasn't because of anything with the club. It was just, I didn't have the time. Um, again, uh, brilliant people and, and people that honestly, you know, when, when they were on the line with you and you missed, uh, and you, you know, you, you threw out a, a curse word or, or whatever, they were, they were the ones that said, Hey, listen, this is what you did yeah. here ne- next yeah. time here. Do that, do that one again and try this, this time. Um, uh, and we talked about gun fit earlier. So if you show up to our gun club, there's some beautiful guns. There's everything from your, you know, your $300 pump guns to your $30,000 over unders. And I'll tell you, as long as you're polite and ask correctly, you'll be allowed to shoot every single one of those guns. And if you go up to the owner and say, I'm a new shooter. I'm trying to figure out which one of these fit me the best. They'll happily say, here you go. Yeah. Give it a try. Right. Yeah, um, absolutely. Make sure you're shooting factory ammo out of it. That's all I'd say, but yeah, <laughs> maybe your reloads for yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, that excellent points. And, and, and it really is. And, and Matt, uh, you know, awesome that you came on tonight. And mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think that, Anybody that's listening that that consider themselves uh, a shooter, I, I think everyone would be able to walk away with something from this episode on on a trick that maybe they could use to to make their shooting a little bit better or 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 anything. But you know, they should be able to walk away from this episode with a little bit of extra knowledge or something to think about. Yeah, I think those three things, right? Your gun fit lead type, and then your focus on the target. Those three things, if you got those figured out, more, more plays are going to break, more birds are going to fall. And I just wanted to, to go back to the, to the gun fit and, and I guess probably use an army term, dumb it down. Um, but let's say you've decided, okay, I'm, I'm going to make that purchase. I'm going to go buy a gun. Uh, I'm going to go to my, my local gun dealer and uh, this is how I'm going to walk up to my gun dealer and I'm going to go, this is how much money I've got to spend. Um, you know, I, I need a gun. What, I, you know, what, what's the, the new shooter looking for in his gun? What, what, you know, everybody says, we see it on Facebook all the time. Hey, I'm, I'm, what's your thoughts on this gun? And someone will always say, listen, shoulder it. That's the way to know. So like the, the talk so what, is true. What, yeah. look, what you're looking for when you shoulder it. So when you're in the, when you're in the, when you're at the store and you put it on your shoulder and you find a strong cheek weld, right? So you put that stock right in the base of your cheek, right where it's gotta be. And then just look up there with both eyes and then close your left eye. And if you're looking at the safety, or you're looking at the hump in the gun, the back of the receiver, that gun doesn't fit you. If you can line up and, and see perfectly down the rim, and if there's if there's two uh, if there's two 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 posts on there and they line up like a little figure eight, like a snowman, then that gun fits you perfectly. If you can't see those two, and now that doesn't mean it's not the right gun if it's in your price range, but recognize that oh, if I lift my cheek up just a little bit. Now it fits 
And so then I'm a $25 purchase from Amazon on one of those bear tooth or, or rabbit right. combs away from a solution. Now, somebody told me one time, and, and tell me if this is right. Um, so somebody told me if you're shouldering a gun, so you, you, you know, you've got, I'll say it at the, at the low carry right now, you've got the gun down at the low carry, you're in that gun shop and, and you pick something at the, on the wall of the gun shop. And th- let's pretend that's my target. If you can pull that gun up to, and, and aim it at that target and you're looking straight down the barrel, that gun is fitted that gun's a good fit for you. You may have to adjust here yeah. and there, but so, so the only thing I'd say is I get really scared when I hear the word aim. Cause what, what aim means is you're, you're starting to point like a rifle. So what you do is if you're, there's a light socket on the wall yeah, and you, if you grab the gun and can bring the gun up to your face and get a proper mount here and your eyes never get off of that light, light socket, socket. You probably got a good fitting gun. If the gun popped up in your field of view, cause it's not the right drop at comb then you got a bit of an issue. Awesome. So, right. So if you, if, if it like, watch my, so if I come up here, if I go like that and I can still see everything, that's a good fitting gun. If I go up and it's like this, that's no good. Right. If it starts to cover that dominant eye, but again, it might be a $25 fix away from getting it right. So, yeah. you know, because sometimes what well, we get our hands on a used gun, right. And we, we make it fit us. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. The, it's the right price. And I say buy it every time. Because you can probably you can probably make it work for you. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, like every, every year, like like Damon just said, like we see all over Facebook. Oh, okay. My budget's a thousand dollars. My budget's twelve hundred dollars. I'm looking at these three guns. Which one yeah. do I buy? And my response every single time to these posts, all three of those were great choices. Yeah. The only good choice is the one that fits you. And the amount of people that jump on and like you know they like and thumbs up and whatever is like astronomical. Like, yeah, they're great guns. You know, you got some great choices lined up. One of those might completely nearly shit the bed for you. And like I've, and the guys know, like I buy a lot of guns because I like guns. And I've been through, like, I like guns. Um, I used to have a Browning Maxis. And I bought one when they, I'd say within the first couple of years they came out. It was an amazing gun. I love the gun. I couldn't hit the fucking ground if I dropped it. <laughs> Legit. Like I, I, I played with the shims left, right, up, down, all over the place. I just, that gun was not meant for me. Yeah. I've shot Beretta's extremely well. I've shot Benelli's extremely well, but like that Maxis, amazing gun. No fault to the manufacturer. They are a phenomenal firearm. Couldn't hit shit if my life depended on it. Yeah. It just wasn't for you, right? No. It, I had it, one of those. It is what it is. Too. And I've got an old um an old 67 uh auto five Magnum 20 shoot like a fucking barn on fire. That's awesome. Like I, I couldn't miss I couldn't miss something if it you know if my life depended on it. So I'll bet you go when we're done this, go grab it out of your safe and point it at the mirror and you watch that gun's gonna fit you perfectly. Fucking hundred percent. Right? It's just gonna be right on there. You're gonna see your eye bounce perfectly on top of that barrel. Like even if even if your eye, even if you see like 90% of your eye, believe it or not, that bottom 10% is going to make you peek up. Your eye's yeah. going to go, your eye's going to go, I got to see the whole thing or I'm going to get eaten again, right? Well, I think part of it is I'm also shooting bismuth and you don't want to fucking miss at that price. Yeah. See, <laughs> there he goes. Just got to throw that out, eh? Got to throw out that he's shooting bismuth. 
You got it. Expensive cigars. <laughs> yeah. 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 Billy, and his, <laughs> Billy and his expensive cigars and bismuth. Okay. Well, okay. and you got to enjoy the Feel free, Damien, if you want to throw my contact information out there for anybody who wants to have a chat about a gun fit. Absolutely. Um, U.S., Canada, doesn't matter. We can go do that and have a conversation. Be happy to. Yeah, absolutely, Maddie. I will. I'll. Uh, I'll be sure to make sure that. I'll be sure to make sure. I'll be sure to uh, have your have your contact info just just in case anybody has some questions or if there's something that you said that they just just can't get their head wrapped around and maybe need you to to talk them through it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure they would appreciate it. And, and I would appreciate it if, if you were able to help them out too. Because again, at the end of the day, it's all about education. We need more people out there and we need, uh, we need more people shooting. We need more people being advocates for, for, for gun rights. And, and yeah, we need safer, more ethical people, because as you, as you know, we are our own worst enemy. And uh, the only way to fix it is, is from within, right? So, well, there's, there's a couple spots I'm pretty easy to find on the social media. So personal, uh, there's a personal Facebook page. There's a clay target coaching Facebook page. You know, even go to our Kingston shotgun sports is our club page. And, uh, we'd be happy to just, just go, put those things in. They'll pop right up. Yeah. And, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to add those perfect. into the, on the social media posts once, uh, that'd be great once we make the show maddie buddy um thank you so much this was a wealth of knowledge uh and and i'm really really glad that we were able to make this happen because i know it's uh, a couple cancellations and a couple then there was a leaf game and and we couldn't our, our poor old leafs maddie couldn't do it and we got two habs uh fans yep. here so you know what uh, i did there you know what I did? I, I PVR game two. I just keep watching it every day. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy, I know, I know a couple of guys making a lot of money. You could probably use some shooting tips on the Leafs. Yeah. I don't think their uh, ability to shoot is in question. I think their desire to want to shoot is what's in question. Hey, Leafs 2022, right? <laughs> I'm there already. Every sure. year. Spoken like a true lease fan. Yeah, the shirt. We're good to go. <laughs> awesome. Um, quick around the table. Uh, Matty, I'll give you the last word, buddy, uh, Mark. So, Matt, good having you on. Uh, your wealth information. I mean, I know, I know I've got some things I could probably learn off you. So, hopefully, when I'm down to Damien sometime, we yeah. cross paths and, uh, and I can pick your brain on a couple things. Uh, just to go back to something you were talking about, the uh, the whole your peripherals catching the fast moving and fast moving targets, yeah, and that it's kind of been worked out of the gene pool from from survival and whatnot, because you would have got eaten by the saber tooth tigers and whatnot. Right. Yeah, it's worked back in. It's worked back in <laughs> yeah. the gene pool for the slow ones, and they're called vegans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna leave it at that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Philly, Matt, appreciate you coming on uh, again. Like you know, every, everything you touched on, we hope to God that you know it, it reaches some of the some of our millions of listeners. And like for the love of Christ, for those guys out there, it's not what you spend; it's what fits. Mm-hmm. So please, 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 buy a gun that fits. 
that like we, we can't stress that enough and that'll definitely make your your time outdoors and your experiences a hell of a lot more more better and, and enjoyable knowing that you know you can put that gun on target and you know you're going to hit what you're pointing at and you know pass that on for generations and keep the sport alive yeah. ryan Matt, thanks for coming on uh great chat with you um i don't think we've ever had somebody uh <laughs> as informed as you on a topic i think it's excellent it's something like everybody you know yeah. sometimes we talk about calling or dog handling and it's not doesn't mean everybody waterfowl hunts or bird hunts has a dog but i mean a firearm is is the number one tool for the for the sport so i think it's gonna something that's really gonna affect everybody and I'm, myself personally i'm looking forward to really kind of get, get into a range here kind of try to practice some of your preachings here and uh, see some of these tips and tricks and try to improve myself so thanks a lot for coming on man right on well you know phil ryan damien mark you, you guys uh, god bless you for doing this having the show it's amazing i love it great forum um you know it gives us it feel like i'm at the duck camp not even duck season right so i like i like that and keep doing the good work because the more of these things that we have going out there the more people can learn and get introduced to the sport and you know, one of the things I do like with all this social media these days is that I've connected with experts from around the world just because I have an interest. And I've yet to have somebody say um, that little bit of advice is is, uh, is is below you or above you or it's going to cost you something. Like our, our, our community is so willing to give. And so I, I really like that. And I think it's important that we keep doing it. Um, feel free, guys, if you've got any questions from the panel, let me know because I know your outreach is going to be 10, 20,000 fold from what just mine would be. So I'd be happy to work with any one of you and uh, let's keep doing some good work. You know, the more people we can out there putting lead or bismuth or steel down range, the better. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Maddie, buddy, thank you once again, uh, like Ryan Merck and Phil has already touched on a great amount of knowledge, some, some awesome tricks, um, that now it got me wondering uh, because, you know, I, I don't think I, I honestly don't think I focus the way that I, I should be focusing. So uh, something that I need to need to work on and, and something perhaps, perhaps I'm going to have to re-up that membership to the skeet club again and get back out there and uh, find some time. Yeah. yeah. Find, find some lockers time. ready. Yeah. I know, <laughs> buddy. I know. Um, everybody again, even if this is the first time you've listened to this show, you should be able to figure out right now, we are as genuine as they come. We are as advertised. We're not smoke and mirrors. We are not pretending to be anybody that we're not. We are a group of friends that honest to God, love one another's company. And we're just doing whatever we can to make sure that our sport and our lifestyle continues on. With that, this was episode number two of season two of the union 0430 matt pomeroy thank you so much for coming on fellas thank you once again for coming on and hanging out this is our thursday nights and i love them until next week big love <laughs>